Are you in a state of recovery? Do you want more clarity and direction? Have you built your foundation and wonder what lies beyond recovery? Do you want to discover what you are truly capable of? And are you ready to discover your purpose, learn to overcome your limiting beliefs, and change your mindset? Are you ready to discover the key to living a purpose-driven life? When we recover, we are returning to a normal state of health, mind, and strength. We begin the process of regaining control over something that was lost, but our journey doesn't have to stop there. This is the Road Beyond Recovery podcast. After overcoming my own 20-year battle of addiction to drugs and alcohol, I have now dedicated my life to empowering those in recovery to rewire their brain so they can change their story and enhance their recovery even further. Hey everyone, welcome to the Road Beyond Recovery podcast. My name's Tamar, your host for this adventure. Today, I'm incredibly grateful for the direction that my life is going and the people that I'm starting to attract into my inner circle. And I mention this because if you've been following me on social media, you have probably seen a lot of changes going on as I start to pivot. I've got some exciting announcements coming up as well. And part of that excitement and part of what I'm grateful for today is that my friend Lane Kennedy, who you've heard on the show before, we've partnered up to create the Change Your Brain Masterclass. And she started a community off of Facebook, which, you know, I don't know about you, but I just get too wrapped up in the clutter sometimes. And the community is called the Connected Calm Life. Now, um, obviously, part of what drew me to Lane was the fact that not only is she in recovery, but she's also a calm coach and she teaches meditation. And because of the experiences I faced over the past year, I have really noticed that I've needed to increase my meditation because it's been really helping me deal and cope with everything and continue to solidify and build on that foundation in recovery. And so Lane had recently asked me to be a part of the Connected Calm Life and be a co-host in the community. And I am incredibly grateful for that because I think that, you know, for myself personally, when I find that home, right, or those homes in recovery with that fellowship, uh, with those other women that are like-minded and and really walking a similar journey to my own, you know, maybe different paths, but we're all for the same thing, which is enhancing our recovery and creating long-term recovery. I love that feeling. And so Lane has created a community for just that. And especially the areas I think in our lives that as we continue to grow in our recovery, that we need to expand on. So that's what I'm grateful for. And of course, if you haven't joined us, you can do so at members.connectedcomlife.com and come check it out. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to remind you that the Rise Beyond Recovery Virtual Summit is happening April 4th through April 8th. You're going to hear from over 30 speakers in recovery on how they overcame their addiction, 
built their foundation in recovery and created a life so good for themselves that they never want to go back to their old way of living. Now, if you haven't joined us yet, you can head on over to the website at www.risebeyondrecovery.ca and join us for absolutely free. Or if you want to support Touched by Addiction, who is a nonprofit, you've probably heard them on the show if you've been listening, you can buy a VIP a VIP pass for only 25 bucks. The best part is that $15 of every pass sold goes to helping someone in need get into long-term treatment, which is Teen Challenge. So make sure you head on over to the website, join us today for absolutely free, or you can pay the 25 bucks and support the movement. On today's show, I am chatting with Jay Barnard from Hype Recovery. Now, Jay definitely brings a lot of hype to recovery. He's very passionate about what he does. And today you're going to get to hear his story, how he built that foundation in early recovery, and also what inspired him to start to help others from his experience, which you've heard me talk about on the show over and over again, is that we have such a gift, right? That experience that we've gone through in that world of addiction, as terrible as it might have been, that is something today that we can use to help others maybe overcome addiction sooner, whatever it is we need. I love it when people recover out loud. And we also talk about how Jay started hype recovery and so much more. He's also a speaker at the Rise Beyond Recovery Summit. So make sure you come check that out. But I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back, everybody. I am hanging out with my friend Jay Barnard. How are you? I like to say I'm living the dream because that's what I do. I, I live the dream. That's that's what it's all about. And you're always so excited, which I absolutely love. Yeah, it's um, well, how can't you be excited about recovery? Really, like, honestly, how can you not be excited about dressing up, showing up and taking part in life every single day? Right. Because if you look at it before, there was no dressing up, there was no showing up and there was no taking part in life because, you know, the, the, the allergies that I had kept me handcuffed to even trying to get dressed. So if my hands are always behind my back, how do I put my clothes on or how do I even get up or how to, well, I guess I could get up, but I, how, you know, at the end of the day, how, how, how does that all happen? Right. So, you know, the true blessing, <clears throat> the true blessing is, is just being able to get a life, right? Like a life that we all want, a life that we all deserve and a life that we're all worthy of having. How do you get that life? How do you get that life? And how do you have that smile on your face? And how do you do what you do every single day, which is hype the world up? How do you do that? Well, I'll tell you how I do that. <laughs> We're going to talk about that today. So why don't, for those of my audience that don't know you, why don't you do a quick intro who you are and what you do today? And then we're kind of going to go way back. Sure. Uh, I'm Jay Barnard. I'm 24 days out of 14 years clean and sober. Uh, so February 11th, 2022, I'm celebrating uh, 14 years, which uh, <clears throat> is an absolute miracle just in itself. Cause it's just one day on top of the other, but um, you know, just the love for recovery and the love to help people uh, and the love and kindness and compassion that I understand with addicts, alcoholics, people with anxiety, depression, suicide thoughts, because I've dealt with all of that stuff, you know, eating disorder, you know, sex addiction, gambling addiction, porn addiction, all the addictions that come to fill every single void, except for the one void that we, that we should be filling, which is self. Right. So 
I'm always wanting to run away from self because I don't want to look at self, but the most rewarding gift and the biggest present in life is self and being able to love self for that person we truly are, which we're all truly amazing human beings in our own rights and our own ways. Um, so, you know, I have, I have a, I have a serious passion. I've been a mental health advocate for the better part of, of 12 years. I've shared my story uh, on a, on a, on a platform that whole time as chef recovery. Um, I've been, you know, all across Canada, I've been on all kinds of different things. And my whole view on things is I'm the voice for the voiceless so that they can get the voice and so that they know that they're not alone. Right. And, and that was my biggest problem for 20 years. I just felt alone. Um, and that's why the self-sabotage always came. Right. So, you know, I've been given a gift and the present is to deliver to, to people to know that, you know, Hey, listen, you're not alone. Hey, listen, I'm here to help you get your voice. And once you get your voice, that means we get to break more stigma together. That's what we get to do. Right. And, um, that's what's exciting and, and you know when you're when you're sharing in front of 2,000 5,000 people uh, it's the most rewarding thing right um just sharing your story uh you know because I was inspired to help myself to go inspire others and and that's where it has to start I have to inspire myself to go inspire others to inspire themselves and that's been the journey of 14 years you know of just never giving up and living the dream and and uh goals and dreams and you know, the things that I've accomplished is, is, is unreal, right? It, but it, it really is the fact that I love myself. I can look in the mirror and say, I love you, Jay. Uh, you know, I believe in you, Jay. You're worth it, Jay. Uh, you got this, Jay. Nothing's going to stop you, Jay, but you, Jay. Um, and I don't blame anybody for anything. I, I own everything, right? And I allow I allow myself and give myself permission to to grow, right? So, that's what we're supposed to do as humans. We're supposed to grow. We're supposed to invest in ourselves. However, that is supposed to be in the bank of J I'm I'm supposed to invest in the bank of J to grow. It's just like interest in your bank account, but it's a little bit better than that because you get the appreciation of the true love of yourself. Right? So uh, this journey of, of learning how to, you know, invest in the bank of J to get the interest to growth is the most uh, satisfying and, and rewarding and, and lovable gift I've ever given myself. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I'll never shut up. <laughs> well, I love what you do. And congratulations on your up and coming recovery birthday. That actually happens to be my belly button birthday, February 11th. So that's a pretty awesome day. So I, I'll never forget that. But you know, I always love to kind of dig into um, my guests, you know, early lives, what it was like growing up, because I think you know, we you talk, We were talking kind of that stigma of addiction, right? A lot of people are under the impression that you have to have a traumatic upbringing. And although that's very common for many of us in recovery, all of our stories are different and all of our paths on how we ended up where we are today are very unique, right? I mean, we had the same things, right? We didn't look at self. We had all these out external things that we were trying to fill the void with. And for me, that was drugs, alcohol, food, relationships. But you know, what was it like for you growing up and what led to your addiction? Uh, so, so my father was an alcoholic. My, my grandmother was an alcoholic. Um, you know, my mother, uh, God bless her. And I love her to death. You know, she just tried to keep everybody together. I have a younger sibling. Um, uh, my father was married five times. <clears throat> um, you know, so I have stepbrothers. 
Um, but, you know, it was just that constant dysfunction, that constant chaos, that constant drama of, you know, moving here and moving there. Um, really, you know, my father not being in my life is, is pretty absent. But where I am today in my life, even though I don't really have a relationship with him, I really try to look at, you know, the good times I did have with him because there was some good times with him, even though there was a lot more bad times I like to focus on you know, the good times that he had. And even though we don't really have a relationship today, that's okay because I'm able to allow myself and give myself permission, <clears throat> you know, here, this guy here, he is five years old. That's the last time I remember being happy. Um, you know, and that's Jay Corey. Who you see today is Jay Barnard, right? So, um, <clears throat> you know, so there's always the dysfunction side of things and, and everything how, you know, with alcohol and drugs, how it, it pulls your family apart and you see your mom and dad yelling and screaming and, but you're trying to always see them hold it together. And, and, you know, just as a, as a young boy, you just want your father in your life, right? Like that's what us young men want. And, you know, luckily enough for me, I had my grandfather who, who was my best friend. Um, you know, he, he was my everything, you know, we, we played darts together. We, you know, child and adult darts, you know, went fishing, hunting, you know, he gave me that aspect of what a father should be doing, you know, being my grandfather. And, and then I had my uncle who, you know, who was like my big brother, who was like, you know, <laughs> the badass of, uh, you know, of life. He was the president of the Hells Angels of Sudbury. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, I got to see a lot of things. Right. So which really kind of dictated what was going to go on in life. You know, so as we're going through life and all this dysfunction and chaos and drama and moving and this and that and. You know, then the family has has, uh, you know, my, my mom and dad get a divorce and, 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 you know, it's Jay Corey. And then we see my dad once a week, every, you know, second week, third week, four. Then he disowns us. Right. So then my mom gets remarried. And then that's when Jay Barnard comes along with my stepdad, who I don't really have a relationship with today also. Um, right. So Jay Barnard, <clears throat> Jay Corey, that's where this all started. So grade three, I fail grade three. It's a two, three class. I move forward into the three class with the twos and they're like, you were Jay Corey, now you're Jay Barnard. Who are you? Right. So you got to think 80, 88, 89, 87, somewhere in there, you know, divorce and stuff like that was kind of taboo. It was kind of those things that you didn't talk about, right? Like mental health was one of those things that was not around, right? Like you did not talk about your stuff. That was not what you did. You kept your mouth shut. You didn't bring it up. Um, you didn't, <laughs> you didn't. And, you know, so I didn't have that vehicle to talk about what was going on with me, A, because I had fear, I had insecurity, I had no confidence, uh, you know, so going to Jay Barnard, <clears throat> you know, I, I found food and that was my first addiction. I found food and, and that's how I tried to kill the pain, but the pain would never go away because I, I would eat so much food and I'd get myself sick, right? It was, it was kind of like that endless, it was kind of addiction that endless keep it coming but i could only get so much in me before i got sick right and you know growing and, and getting to a bit you know i was 210 pounds and and you know the self-confidence and self-worth side of things when we were in gym class and you know everybody would get picked and you know you're just a kid and you, you're, you're you know you're wishing that you'd get any you, know, you know i'm the last one and they're like jay Right. Like, so the self-confidence, because I wasn't good at sports and I wasn't good at any of those things. Right. Like I was lost. That's the truth. I was so lost. I didn't know. 
up, down, around, sideways, or this way. Also trying to figure out, you know, what a divorce is. Also trying to figure out, like, okay, who's my dad? Also trying to figure out, like, okay, what do I do and how do I talk to somebody? Also trying to figure out that I just failed, so now I'm behind. All the people that I knew for the first three years are ahead, and and like all this stuff is going on, and I'm just trying to filter and process it the best I can. And my mother did the best she could, you know. My mother actually becoming a friend more than a mother, which then led into the enabling side of things, which brought in the addiction side of things, right? And uh, you know, so once the food wore off, that's when I found porn and I got lost in sex and. Um, you know, which obviously messed up every single relationship with any female, never mind myself. Uh, right, you know, <laughs> I'll tell you right now what you see on TV, you can't do in real life. So I don't really know how that happens. But <clears throat> at the end of the day, that that is what was trying to go on in my mind is that I, you know, was trying to do these things. And for whatever reason or rather, they didn't work the way that I saw them. And, you know, the, the relationships with females but it was actually the relationship with myself because I didn't know how to have one uh, would just never work for me. And I always bounced. Right. And, you know, then that kind of brings me into, you know, the 12, 13 area where, you know, I've seen, you know, my family drink for a while and I always wondered, you know, like what's in that Brown cabinet over there and, and why are they always so jolly? And, and, you know, why can they have a, what is that? You know, like, what is that? I want, that they seem to be happier i'm not happy i'm very confused uh and i don't like myself and i don't want to talk to anybody and i don't know who i am and you know i i don't feel like i'm going anywhere i feel like a failure and you know all these things that uh no kid should go through um you know and you know i'm blessed today with destiny who's six years old i'm wide open about this stuff right she holds my book daddy i got your book you know she may not understand it and she's on tiktok yelling recovery rocks for people and you know i'm wide open on the on the aspect of those things with my, my child and, and my kid knows that i i've dealt with suicide thoughts and i'm an alcoholic and an addict and i have i've had dealt with depression and anxiety and you know, she knows that Ashley and I are the recovery couple and, you know, I'm wide open and, and I have to be wide open and we need to be wide open in 2022 to break the stigma, uh, especially with what's going on in the world. So, you know, I find this, this booze and uh, I remember I just, yeah, there, it was a Texas Mickey and, and it was a Mickey and I, I don't know anybody, you know, if you're, if you're, you're a person that casually drinks. I don't know if you drink a Mickey in one sip, but that's what happened. And that's how it always went. Uh, it, there was never enough. Uh, it, that's why I call it more. It doesn't matter what it was. I always went to more. Um, but the minute that that happened, it was like, it's like everything just felt right. Everything. I don't have to be Jay Corey. I don't have to be Jay Barnard. I will pretend to be whoever I want to be. And I will fit myself into these chameleon things. So, you know, 12, 13 years old, me and my friends are stealing booze. And, and you know, I'm getting jolly. But what I didn't realize then is I had this allergic reaction to this stuff, right? Like to this, this stuff that for whatever reason, I saw my family kind of jolly. I really can't remember a time that I had a good time uh, from the start. Uh, I was always fighting. I was always angry. I was always 
dysfunctional. I, I, I couldn't sit around and have one or two. I, I, I'm not even sure what that means. Um, so I had an allergic reaction right out of the gate, um, which really played out how life was going to be. And moving into the teens, that's when I found drugs. So you put the lethal combination of the drugs and the booze together. Now I can really be somebody. And I found selling drugs, <clears throat> which then really made me popular. So now I have the popularity. Now I have the, the money. Now I have the booze. Now I'm this, this guy that I don't ever have to think about that guy behind me anymore. But that guy behind me, who was Jay Corey, he was left at that arena. And that guy was the last time he was happy. And for years, for years, 18, 18 years, um, 18 years was dysfunction, dysfunction. And um, so, yeah, it was like 18 years of dysfunction where just like the dysfunction of my life, the dysfunction of just running, just running, not like just didn't want to deal with anything and I didn't know how to deal with it. So then I would just, boom, let's compact it more. Let's, you know, like one of those crushing machines with garbage, right? As you're like, and then eventually, boom, right? Like you just go. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's how, that's how it was. It was just live to use and use to live. And how, how, how much can I use? Where can I use? When can I use? How can I do it? Right? Like that's how it was. The energy was just always focused on get away from Jay. Um, you know, and leads me into like jails, right? So I went to jail and for the first time and <clears throat> when I was 19 years old, I got busted and, and, you know, it was, it was like home. <laughs> I like, went from the outside to the inside, kept using, nothing stopped. It was like, it just like nothing stopped. It just, you know, and, and then in 2000 and in, in 2005, you know, I'm, I'm in a business that I've been in for a while and did this geographical cure because that's what you do. You do a geographical cure because I'm going to take Jay from here to over here. But for some reason, Jay always came with Jay and then Jay would always find the other people that Jay is with. And so it didn't matter if it was Sally there. I found another Sally somewhere else that was like Sally. So it didn't really matter because nothing was changing. If nothing was changing, Jay thought things were changing and Jay wanted different results, but always got the same result, which was insanity because Jay didn't want to work on himself. So he was just in this big loop of beating Jay up. And, uh, 2005, I tried committing suicide back-to-back uh, -back times um, in Barrie. And um, I was at a point in my life where it was just the rat race was over. Uh, I couldn't keep up to the lies. I couldn't keep up to the manipulation. I didn't know what I said to people. <clears throat> I'd, I'd been running a business with this other guy for a couple of years. And uh, just I, I, I was burnt out and tired. I was like physically, mentally, emotionally done, um, done. And, you know, in my mind, I had thought because all the false beliefs and the voices in my head, uh, you know, that talked to me, you know, said that, you know, this is your option to end all this. You will soon, you'll soon be quiet and you will not have to deal with this anymore. And um, I remember it was, it was a, <clears throat> 
it was a Wednesday and, and I made a conscious decision to do it on the Friday in Barrie. And, uh, I took, uh, 13 of these green pills to this day. I still don't even know what they are. I, I snorted one and took the rest. And the girl I was living with because my addiction had been like so bad that I became abusive in my relationship because like I needed to use. So <laughs> it didn't matter who was there. He didn't get in my way. I had to use. And, um, she found me in a pile of black puke, barely breathing on the doorstep. And I hadn't seen her in two weeks. And I got rushed to the hospital and they charcoaled me and, and, and brought me back to life. And, you know, <clears throat> I remember laying there in bed going, you know, you set out to do this. You've now failed at killing yourself. What do you really got left in life? Like you can't even kill yourself. You piece of shit. Right. Like that's what I said to myself. And, um, Three days later, I got out of, the, out of the hospital. I went and got a 60-ounce rye, hit an ounce of crack, and uh, I tried hanging myself for 24 hours. Um, and every single time, I put my head in, in the rope. This time, this time, this time. You know, 24 hours that went on. And then I ended up turning myself into the Barry police that morning on charges of driving under suspension. And I remember I was yelling in the court office. I was like, a mess. And, you know, they're like, are you sure you want to plead guilty? I want jail. And uh, I ended up doing a year in Penitent Penitentiary. Uh, still outside of Barry. And uh, believe it or not, the penitentiary saved my life. Uh, and I got out of there and moved back to Kenora and the cycle of addiction, the cycle of life, the cycle of... The cycle of Jay just beating Jay up just continued, right? Like, problem was Jay was in Jay's way, so nothing changes, nothing changes. Um, you know, so the inevitable was about to come at some point, Jay dying. Like, that was the route and road, and he's done the jails and institutions, and <clears throat> what's the next option? Death, right? And uh, 2007... Uh, 2008 in January, I got busted for the fifth time with the possession of the purpose of trafficking cocaine um, and, and and was in jail, got thrown in jail again. And this was different. It was different this time for some reason. And I woke up, woke up and I woke up in there and went, oh man, 27 years old. Is this what you have, right? You've been wearing orange for pretty much a good portion of your life. You don't have a bank account. You have no credit. You have no money saved. You don't have a job. Your family, for whatever reason, they're there, but they don't want to be because they don't know, you know, you're very dysfunctional and very disrespectful to them. You know, you have no friends around you. You, but, you know, you're alone. <clears throat> you know, is this, this what you want? And, uh, you know, I was looking at five years in prison for those charges and I should have never got bail. I don't even know how I did, but <clears throat> I went to, to bail court on the Wednesday and the judge was sick. So in my life, these little moments of clarity have always come, even when I was using, but I didn't look at it as a positive thing. You owed me that, right? Like that's how I would, you owed me that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> like not, not, not thank you. 
or not that, right? You owed me that. And the justice of the peace was there. And the justice of the peace released me on massive conditions about signing in morning, noon, and night, ankle bracelet, all this stuff, counselor. But I was out. <laughs> but I was out. I did it again. Right? And uh, so I quit drinking January 7th, 2008. That's the last time I had a drink. Uh, I couldn't. I had a hard time dropping the drugs. I had a hard time using just dropping the drugs. And uh, so I used. And while going to see this counselor, Sandy Paul, I'd be using in the bathroom. I'd go see her. I'd go back to the bathroom and use, right? I had to use. Just that's how it was. Sandy, I got to go. This is too much. And uh, she said, you have one house left on the block, which is treatment. You know, it's it's God-driven, and I think you're going to fail. You know, and I lost it at that moment because I was like, why are you sending me somewhere where I'm going to fail? Right? <clears throat> what I didn't understand, which I understand today, was it was a seed that was planted, right? She was planting a seed to give me hope, give me light that you can do this. The only person you got to prove that to is yourself, but maybe prove it to me first, right? So she saw something in me before I even saw something in me, which most times that's how it goes. I see stuff in people before they even see it, right? And that's how it was with her. She saw, you know, this guy that went to school to be a chef and he was an amazing worker and, you know, he had a heart and, you know, he was just, you know, he was just, killing pain and and not knowing how to deal with it and not having the tools to deal with it and um so february 11th 2008 i started this journey which is almost 14 years ago and uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know it's so much of what you said resonated with me because i think you know, it all, everybody that I talk to, right, there's that common theme is that we have an inability to handle our emotions. You know, we grow up feeling alone. I mean, you know, first thing I started working on in early recovery was that fear of being like that fear of abandonment, right? The fear of being alone. And the amazing thing, and you know, I'm sure you can relate is that when you enter this life of recovery and you really dig in and you start to surround yourself with, you know, like people like you and I and all these amazing people, you have all of a sudden grown your network of support. Like it's incredible. Like the people just on the podcast alone that I've been able to connect with and the people who have come out and say, I'm clean and sober. It's just, it still blows me away, right? Every conversation is amazing. I learn all these new things because I continue to be open-minded and willing. But, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned how many forms of addiction you went through because it was the same for me, right? Like codependency, drugs, alcohol, food. Like if there was something I could be addicted to, chances are that I was addicted to it, especially when it was able to numb that pain. And I remember too, the first time I drank, I was like, my world went from black and white to color and nothing ever made me feel that way. And I chased that feeling until, you know, I had a lot of, um, definitely a lot of physical bottoms throughout my addiction, but my end too was I wanted to end my life. It was that spiritual bottom and I finally decided I had to stop digging, right? And so I went into recovery and that was a whole other thing. I mean, I think I probably cried for the first two years of my recovery and was like what is this wetness coming out of my eyes here like I don't like this feeling it's uncomfortable and I've grown to love it today but yeah. what did early recovery look like for you 
Well, it's it's funny, right? Because I remember getting on the plane in Winnipeg. <clears throat> because the problem was, is like I, you know, 14 years ago, I was still put on a wait list, right? I waited 32 days to get into treatment 14 years ago. Now we don't, you know, the wait list today. I'll blow those, but we're talking 14 years ago and I was still on a wait list, right? So nothing's changed. It's gotten worse, right? So that's a whole nother conversation in the next 10 minutes. But the, the, the fact of the matter was, is I got on this plane and I was going to Ottawa not because this is the first time I ever got clean and sober. I never went to treatment. I never, I used in jail. I always used that's, I always, I always used something. There was never a time where I was completely abstinent from anything. And for me, that is how I got sober. Now there's other ways to get clean and sober and whatever works for you works for you. For me, completely abstinent from drugs and alcohol in any form is what keeps me sane. So that's my story and that's how I own it. So, you know, I get on this plane, I land in Ottawa, I get off in Ottawa, I'm going through and I'm like, boy, I should probably get some burgers. I'm probably not going to get a burger in treatment, right? Like that's, you know, never been to treatment. I don't know. Just give me Oxycontins. I'll sleep for four months is what I thought was going to happen. So I go mow down some Harvey's burgers and uh, get in a cab, say I'm going to George Street Salvation Army Boost Center. Okay. Yeah. We're pulling down Ottawa and I'm like pulling and I'm like, he's like, oh, it's over there. I'm like, wait, that looks like a homeless shelter. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it is. Hmm. Right. I don't know. <clears throat> get out. Five guys ask me if I want my drug of choice before I even get in there. Like, Where the fuck am I? Like, was she telling the truth about I'm going to fail here? Because this is like, go in, say, yeah, I'm Jay Barnard. I'm here for treatment. Is this the treatment facility? Oh, no, no. It's next door. I'm like, okay next door thinking a couple blocks away literally 20 feet away is the treatment center i'm like wait a second here what is going on so i walk in and the pasture nicks there and you know they asked me a bunch of questions have you used that no no obviously still in denial and lie because i used the night before I guess somewhere through the conversation i was supposed to say sober for 72 hours and i somehow missed that or didn't hear that or wished not to hear that i don't know what happened i don't really remember that part of it all but uh so they piss test me and they're like well you have drugs <laughs> oh yeah i used last night <laughs> kind of like that denial oh yeah yeah you got me <laughs> you got me yeah you're right sorry what do we do now uh so what we're gonna have to do is you're gonna have to go stay next door for 72 hours excuse me i gotta ask for my drug of choice five times before I went in there. There's no way, like I'm going to die. If you send me there, tell you right now, I got nothing to live for in Ottawa. Nothing. I got nobody here. I got nothing. Closest thing to me is death. So you send me there. That's what I get. Anyways, I go into an office. Next thing you know, chapter Nick speaks for me. And you know, he said, well, he said he missed it. He, maybe he did miss it. And maybe I did. I don't know. Right. <clears throat> Luckily enough for me, another Baja moment, right? Okay, you can stay at the treatment center, right? Obviously, at that time, my selfishness, self-centeredness, ego, and pride. Yeah, that's right. Really, that bullshit stuff that always eats us up. But, you know, so that is when I started the journey, right, of, of, of recovery. And, you know, early recovery for me was, you know, um hiding from myself i was still hiding right like so i'm in a treatment center with a bunch of men 
I'm going to meetings. Um, you know, about a month into it, I get EI because I'd been working. So now I'm not eating at the Sally Ann. So now I'm getting like chicken shawarmas and I mean, I'm living the high life in treatment, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, my ego, my ego, my self-centeredness and my selfishness was running my life that I wasn't able to, I was able to hear about 1% that was coming into me, but that 1% is what was keeping me alive. Right. So maybe I wasn't able to hear the full hundred percent, but that 1% that was coming in that I could hear versus the 99% of Jay beating Jay up saying, this sucks. This isn't worth it. I'm not going to, you know, that 1% kept me, <clears throat> kept me whatever it was there. And, and, you know, I remember I was at four months and I, you know, they sent me home. It was like Easter weekend or something. And I came back to Kenora for the first time and, and saw my family out of truly sober eyes. And I hadn't seen my family since 10, 11, truly sober eyes. And, you know, they, they were like, we love you. And, and I was like, what is this all about? Um, you know, not really <clears throat> understanding that because i didn't understand myself and then you know my grandfather driving me around the city i grew up and showing me things that i had never seen before in my whole existence of this city um it was like overwhelming like when did that get there jay that's been there since 1940 uh hmm, interesting right like so <clears throat> seeing these things and you know so i heads back to ottawa and i'm on a pink cloud right? Like life is amazing. I can move back to Kenora. My family loves me. I have recovery. I got over a hundred days. I don't have to go to these meetings anymore. And I don't got to be around these people because I got it. I'm recovered. <laughs> right. And, uh, well, most pink clouds have a crash. Now, I mean, if you're on a pink cloud and you've been on a pink cloud for a very long time and it hasn't crashed, I'd love for you to reach out to me and I'd love to hear about the non-crash and pink cloud because I've never heard of one that has a crash, but maybe there is one out there and I'd love to hear it if there is. Uh, so I go back to Ottawa and uh, I find myself down on El Elgin street at this pool hall. And I was like, well, Jay, you're the problem. So if you ask for the drink, that means you're the problem. But somebody else asked you for the drink. Now you can say that they created your relapse. So now it's their fault that you drank. Now you can continue the cycle because they did it to you. Now you don't have to own that. Like insanity. So I go into there with that notion, not knowing why I'm even in there, right? <clears throat> After coming back and all this stuff, and I'm sharing about how happy I am. Yeah, right? Like complete denial. And... I'm in, in there and uh, nobody asks me for like nothing. So I leave, go back, come back the next day, same thing. Next day I go back, third day. And uh, right to the thing, can I get a Budweiser? Boom, get in my hand out of the corner of my eye, I see bus 11, boom, drop the beer, run to the bus, get on the bus, start yelling at Gio, this sucks, you suck, treatment sucks, this whole thing sucks, there's no such thing as clean and sober, I would never be getting the cab 40 bucks to the airport go there nobody asked me for a drink back at a cab to the treatment center telling her off again insanity like jay my god like where <laughs> the energy my man like what are you doing anyways get back to the treatment center and she's like jay go upstairs and write down all the things that you've changed ah, everything i've changed right upstairs i go two things going to meetings and i'm clean and sober 
go around the treatment center, ask people, I'm like, my anger has really got me. So I'm asking the people that I, you know, yeah, you changed, Jay. Yeah, you know, that instant gratification. Then the other counselor comes to me and says, Jay, you're walking around a treatment center asking people if you changed. Your life is unmanageable. And my head pops out of my ass so fast, like I'd never seen in my life, and went, holy selfishness, self-centeredness, pride, and ego have run Jay Barnard, Jay Corey's life, and have led him to a treatment center running around asking people if he's changed. All of a sudden, I'm scared. I don't want to go to the real world now because that's reality. I want to stay in this confined jail of this treatment center because I'm fucked. I'm going to be in trouble if I go up there. So I begged to stay. And she's like, Jay, you're going to do it my way. You don't do it my way, you're out of here. And uh, I said, okay. And then that night, for the first time in my life, I got down on my hands and knees and I prayed. And this prayer came out of me that I <clears throat> I don't know where it came from. Uh, it's, it's not a prayer you're going to find anywhere. It's my prayer. I came up with it. Oh, you might find it now because it's probably on the internet. But the fact of the matter is, is it just came out of me, right? Like, God, give me the strength, courage, hope, and faith. Keep believing in me, trusting me, having faith in me. Keep loving and caring about me unconditionally. Give me patience, tolerance, understanding, forgiveness, compassion, and acceptance of other people's struggles along with my own. Let me love myself, like myself, care about myself enough to move forward in a positive direction. Let me be comfortable with who I am and what I'm doing. Let me live in the day, the moment, to live on life's terms. My Lord, I turn my will and my life over the care of you today and guide me in my recovery. Never give up. Keep living the dream. And I fell asleep. <clears throat> I woke up. I saw a smile. The first time I saw a smile. And uh, surrender. Surrender had happened. Uh, Jay fighting Jay for 20 years. And uh, it wasn't easy. <laughs> but Jay had identified that Jay was fighting with Jay. And in order for Jay to get better, Jay had to stop fighting Jay. So me versus me. Um, and Jay had to figure out how to get better without fighting me. Um, and I had to be teachable. And I had to be able to, to learn and grow. And I had to, to learn how to do new things and new suggestions and uh, new, new direction. And uh, so I stayed at the treatment center an extra month and a half yeah, because, you know, they call it graduation. And I was like, I don't, I don't like that. I'm going to go drink. Everybody that leaves here, I'm going to drink. Why do you, why do you, I might like, how do you graduate from being an alcoholic to an alcoholic or an act to an, like, am I going to use more when I leave here? Cause that's what graduation means to me. And they're like, we'll find a word and we'll use it. Stay here as long as you take, you know, so I was in the dictionary just looking cause I was scared. And, uh, I came and I came up with, you know, I went, whoa, transitioning. Wait a second here. I'm transitioning to better my life. I'm transitioning into society. I'm transitioning to learn new things. I'm transitioning to learn how to grow. I'm transitioning to bring in new things, new positive things, new vibes, new, new, right? Whoa, I got it. Transitioning. That's what we're doing. We're not graduating. We're transitioning to better ourselves. All right, rat. How do you graduate from being an addict and an alcoholic? How do you do that? You don't. How do you graduate from treatment? Here, go in the spin dry program for 28 days. You graduate. To what? To what? Right? So I, I use the word transitioning. And they said that's how they said it at at the at we're here at Jay's transitioning <laughs> instead of his graduation. 
And, and I did. And I transitioned into a second stage home called the Liberty House and, and stayed there for a year with a great man named Robert Ware, who's part of Hyper Recovery Coaching. And he, he started to teach me the fundamentals and the foundation and the pillars of what we truly deal with, right? So yes, you can go to AA, NA, all the A's and learn about the steps that they have. And they're great there, but there's more to life. And, and I had to get, I had to start getting real with more to life and uh, learn what this was that I was dealing with. And uh, that brings us into where we are today, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, I, I love the journey and I love how you share it because it was the same thing, right? When I came into recovery, I'm like, okay, so I'm going to go through this program. I'm going to do all these steps and then I'm going to graduate and I'm either A, going to be able to drink like a normal person, which I know that's never going to happen um, because I'll never be accepted into another restaurant or bar again, you know, for the rest of my life. Or I'm going to know how to not drink and it's going to be fine, right? Life is going to be fine. But what I realized is that, you know, my, I, I always looked at my addiction for a very long time. I tried to hide it, you know, for the first, I would say, few years, people around me obviously knew that I had quit, right? And that I was in recovery, but there was still that shame there. And when I realized that our past is actually a gift, and something we can use to help others, my recovery completely shifted. And that's exactly why I do what I do today. Because, you know, relapse is not a part of my story yet. And I always say yet, because I know very well, if I stop my prayer, my meditation, my foundational practices that got me sober in the first place, that could all fall apart. Even when life gets good, I mean, you know how it is. We still have dark days, but there's some incredible days that sometimes I'm like, wow, like I can't believe this is my life. But that could easily lead to a slip up if I'm like, this time maybe it'll be different, right? I know better than that. But, you know, we have such a gift and that's what I try to share with people is that like there's this life beyond recovery. So for you, you know, what inspired you to start Hype Recovery? So, you know, you know, that, so that whole first year of recovery, you know, I, I, I worked in an AA program with a sponsor. So I got to know the steps and I actually truly worked one through 12. I didn't do the one, the three, the four and, you know, whatever I, I did the, the 12 and I went at the end of that year, I went, man, I like, I'm missing something like <clears throat> why, why? Like, so then I went to NA and did the same thing. I got a sponsor worked 12 steps, came to year three and went, I'm still like, I'm missing, like, I'm missing something like I like what I'm like. And so, you know, the steps are great and foundation and it's a great tool to, to be around people and, and that atmosphere and that connection. And, and the 12 steps are great for an understanding and a foundation, but there is truly more to life than, than, than that, if that's what you choose to have. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to be a trailblazer year three, <clears throat> year three, I went for the first two months and got a, 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 a relationship coach. And that wasn't about having a relationship with women or men or my family and my family, you know, my family, you know, really was proud of me and loved me and, and, and all that stuff. But they were always wondering when the shoe was going to drop. I mean, let's be honest here. When's the shoe going to drop? We've never seen them go this long. What's, you know, but, you know, my family has always supported me, my mom and, and, and her husband, Rick, and, and, you know, my grandpa when he was alive and, and, you know, they always encouraged me and, you know, family is, you know, if you have a family, it's an, a very important thing. And I've been able to get a lot of time back with them. And, and that <clears throat> is huge for me. So year three was about 
a relationship with Jay. How do I do this? Like, you know, I'd, I'd go for a walk in the woods and I could never hear birds, see things, look at things, smell snow, crunch, crunch, crunch. It was all here. I was missing life. I was missing life and I didn't understand why I'd worked the steps twice. Why am I still missing life? Like, what am I missing? Like I got a understanding of powerlessness and unmanageability and character defects and a higher power. And I did an inventory and I flushed myself and I'm giving back, but why am I still, um, you know, so I, I got, and I, I was like, I invested in the bank of J and created this interest of growth. <clears throat> And so that means I put money into myself. I, I paid somebody to help me. So the last four months of year three, I got a recovery coach. So we're talking 2011. And um, same thing. I banked in the investment of Jay and, and got to understand some certain other things. So going into year four, I moved to Alberta and, uh, you know, after being in Ottawa and my recovery was there, you know, and, and some job changes and stuff like that, I had a fiance that wasn't really working out and some bad decisions with gambling. I got, I had a gambling addiction and, but really it was just running away from myself. Cause I was trying to figure out what this was. I land myself in Alberta cause my family's there and my mom takes me in and helps me and I get a job and become a celebrity chef, start doing things for Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier, Snoop Dogg. Now, now I'm starting to really, you know, get the celebrity side of chef recovery going because I'm talking about my story and I'm not shutting up and Shaw TV and all these CTV and all these people are like, who is this guy? He keeps talking about his story and mental health. And I started, I started working hype recovery that year. I had stopped going to meetings. Um, and I was calling it help my personal effort. Hype recovery wasn't even born yet. And I had these six things that I identified that I was missing. And I started working and I was like, I'm going to dedicate myself to this because I think that this is what's going on with me because I identify as an addict and alcoholic, but it was never the drugs or the booze. What was the real problem, right? Like what was the real problem? Because I had problems before I picked up the booze, right? Like I had problems before I picked up the drugs. I had problems before I picked up the food, the porn, the sex. I had problems before that. So that wasn't the problem. That was just the outlet to go to kill the pain. So how, like, what was, what was, you know, so and I was a guy that wanted a life. I had to get a life and I needed a life and I want to keep that life. Right. I didn't, you know, yes. Relapse is part of some people's stories and, and that can happen. I work very hard on it, not happening um, because I have an understanding of what it is. So I, I start working this and I don't tell anybody about it for the whole year four and really don't, tell anybody you know besides yelling and screaming about recovery and why is he so happy now and why is he this and why is he that and he's got a whole bunch of stuff going on and you know and and the six things that i <clears throat> identified was thinking thoughts patterns triggers series of events and boundaries and i didn't get that stuff out of the big book i didn't get that stuff out of the steps i didn't get that stuff that stuff led me back to me being three four years old Thinking, thoughts, patterns, triggers, series of events, and boundaries. Like, that's what led me to the food. That's what led me to the porn. That's what led me to the sex. That's what led me to the booze. That's what... So I go into year five, and now I'm a motivational speaker. Uh, so we're talking 2013. And now I'm a motivational speaker speaking all across Canada. 
and <clears throat> I'm sharing about this newfound life. <laughs> this newfound, like I found something. Like I, then I, you know, I believed it because I was massively changing. I was massively changing, but at that point, I, I hadn't got to this point yet. Right at that point, I had you know the credibility of being clean and sober, but I never had the credibility of being a recovery author. Right, I always wanted to be that. I wanted to be an author of you know creating a platform for people to have another option in life. Because you know, here's the deal: there's all kinds of shoes out there. Where do your feet fit? Don't put your feet somewhere that don't fit because that don't feel good. It's tight, right? It hurts. You get you get you know blisters. You don't want blisters walking around all day long, do you? I don't. That doesn't feel nice to me. So, you know, I, I wanted to do this, but, you know, so for the better part of 13, straight on up until August of 2021, you know, my beautiful girlfriend, Ashley, who I met almost two years ago on February 17th, you know, we created the recovery couple um, and we share our stories. Ashley just celebrated 28 months clean and sober. You know, she, she couldn't get past 90 days or she'd drink about it. She, she works hyper recovery, you know, programs and sessions she is the program uh and i've also helped thousands of people across the world before i had the material right and uh so at that time in august i had to make the tough decision to close my business that i had for five years freshwater cuisine because of the pandemic and losing millions of dollars through the pandemic um you know i said to ashley like okay what, what's next for jay like what is next for jay at 41 what does jay want to do it wasn't like jay's done with life he's done he's not going to do anything no that's not how it was it was like what is jay going to do next how can jay propel himself to help more people how can jay get louder prouder and more excited about life even inside a pandemic and how can he just bring it for people and i said to her i said that's it hype recovery is becoming real Hype recovery is becoming real. I've made the decision now. I've done this for, you know, since 13 till now. So this is, you know, 2021. We're talking eight years. I was pounding the pavement on this and helping thousands of people. Just never had the material because I was scared of my English. My, you know, the English teacher inside my head. And I'd won a speaker's talent search in 2021. And, you know, I got with one of the judges and did a podcast with her, Ariel Asher. I love you to death. And she pointed out the fact that why haven't you written a book, Jay? Why haven't you done your programs yet? What's stopping you? And I said, listen, I got this English teacher that's been there since I was four years old. I'm not good enough. You know, here is a guy, you know, at, at 13 years clean and sober, who's got a phenomenal life, has a beautiful daughter. I was, I was presented with destiny, you know, who's now six, you know, my daughter is my life. You know, she, she, she just, and you know, my ex, I, I, I got to thank her because she gave me that gift. You know, she gave me that gift. I, I don't hold resentments against my ex. It just didn't work out. She gave me the gift. I'm positive. I'm happy about that. So, you know, and, and actually having, having a somewhat all right relationship in co-parenting, being under the understanding of letting go of everything and accepting for what it is. And the kid comes first is, is a great uh, for one's mental health. So, you know, I'm just like, it's time to launch this. So I start building a team and I reach out to, to Bob at Liberty house, you know, the guy that planted the seeds in the beginning, 35 plus years clean and sober, you know, he's a relapse prevention specialist. He's a counselor. He's helped countless men across the world in his time. And I said, Hey, listen, I want to do this. What do you think of this? He's like, I'll do whatever you want. I want to help you. This sounds amazing. 
said, okay, awesome. So now I got Ashley and I got Bob. I said, okay, now I got to reach out. I go reach out to Sabrina. Sabrina's in Ottawa. I met Sabrina. Sabrina got clean and sober and she was 17 years old. 17. I was like, I need a young person in here so that we can see that. Sabrina just celebrated 18 years last week. Uh, she's more than half her life. She's been clean and sober. And so then I reached out to Sober Biz Babe Brooke. Sober Biz Babe Brooke is an amazing girl. She's truly the one that helped us get everything out of here, into here, and, and wrote the book. I love Brooke to death. She's a great person that's helping people on the entrepreneurial side of things with, with addicts and alcoholics, bringing their dreams to become real. And I was like, okay, great. We've, we've, we've compiled a team, 72 years plus sobriety between all of us. We all deal with, you know, we are the lived experience people. The lived experience people deserve a place in the government, just like the psychiatrist and just like the counselors. Why don't the lived experience people have a spot? Because if all of us came together, we'd help more people. That's just the truth. So, you know, I just started yelling and screaming about it. And so from August to October 18th, that was my goal because October 20th, I was celebrating five 5,000 days. And I was like, I want to launch this before 5,000 days. Like, this is big. If I can launch this before 5,000 days, like... This is amazing because of all the amazing things that I've gone through from being a celebrity chef to becoming a chef, to opening my own restaurant, to creating my own food line. You know, as a chef, you just want to create your own food line and, and get that to like maybe the farmer's market. I took it to the next level. We became one of five top businesses all across Ontario, 125K. I was international. I was all across Canada. You know, I want to do this. This is the gift I want to give Jay on, on 5,000 days. And uh, October 18th, we launched which was two days before 5,000 days, which today makes 90 days that Hyper Recovery Coaching has launched. And uh, at that time we had the ebook and uh, we were still publishing <clears throat> the journey to 30 and the journey journal, but we had the ebook version, which was like so amazing because it wasn't about hitting locally. It was about, we were able to hit the world as long as you had a device, like a tablet, a phone, or like a computer. I was able to get with you because we could get on a Zoom and you could be, you know, with your hyper recovery coach and we'd work through our six sessions along with our journey to 90 and 180. Uh, also inside of that, I partnered up with uh, a company called Firebox Glass at Ottawa, who's Simone. Simone actually coined phrase chef recovery in 2008. So big shout to her for, 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 you know, making that name and, and her sister Susan is a person with autism and then who's visually impaired. And I said, I want to partner up with you guys because I believe in that community. I love that community, the, the artwork, you know. So Susan and Simone actually create these beads. This is a journey bracelet. <clears throat> I know you can't see it because we're talking, but I can show it to you. Um, but there's six beads and each one of these beads have a color that is a meaning behind each session. And Simone and Susan handcraft these beads beads with the, the journey bracelet and at the transitioning of the journey to 30 we send you uh the journey bracelet the journey to 90 which will be published in the next nine days which is a 12-week program the 30 is a six-week program we send you the journey necklace and the 12 beads that simone and susan do uh for us <clears throat> um and we'll have a journey to 180 which is a 24-week program which is the uh 30 the 90 and then three more so we actually so I, I identified 15 things in life that programs had never taught me that gave me the life i have today and i you know through the help of <clears throat> the other four coaches my my beautiful girlfriend ashley who just allowed me to talk to her and, and bounce ideas off her maybe she wasn't saying anything at the time but it allowed me to 
to do it right and and you know that was that's that's another serious gift is you know I, I never wanted to be with a girl in recovery and you know because I didn't want to be with somebody that was like me I, I'd rather go manipulate women that's what I wanted right and you know being able to to be with Ashley has allowed me to be more real than I've ever been right like so I'm I I, I love Ashley for who Ashley is because I understand addiction right and, and ashley is in early recovery so for me i was able to see you know i met her at five months so i've watched this beautiful person you know both of us broken to then taking our story together and, and sharing it all across the world and showing people that two people in recovery can actually be in love and have a life and, and have a great life um you know so <clears throat> She's doing some amazing things too. Shaw Spotlight just did a big story on women in recovery with her and her two daughters. Uh, so big time girl power for that. Um, and just just being able to have another option, right? And it goes right back to the the wait lists, right? Like this is really another reason why is you know six months, nine months, a year, eighteen month wait lists. People are dying on wait lists. And the government needs to understand this and the government has to identify with this and the gun of government has to see this. And this is why I say the lived experience people, because we understand through lived experience and can relate that that's where we can help. Right. I understand what it's like laying on the ground with a needle hanging in a mirror. I know what it's like waking up, drinking the bottom end of a beer with cigarette butts in it. I know what it's like doing all that stuff, but maybe per se a counselor that went through school or a psychiatrist, they would never understand that lived side. They would only understand the book side. And that's great. We need that, but we also need the lived side, right? So in 2022, like I've reached out to multiple government agencies and I will yell and scream about <clears throat> what we're doing because it is important to save people's lives. Um, the best thing is, is, is watching people today work hype recovery coaching because they're doing it for themselves, help your personal effort guided by me to get you the answers to the questions that you want so that you can get that life you deserve. And that's what we do. And just, I got goosebumps just saying it because I got all these, you know, it's just, it's, it's amazing. It, it really is. I, I've once again gone out and lived a dream uh, at 14 years clean and sober. I have. And you can tell, I mean, people tell me the same thing, right? When I talk about recovery and I talk about what I'm doing today, they're like, you can feel the passion in you. And it's like, it feels amazing even when things are tough to be able to wake up every morning and actually still want to get out of bed, right? And that's one of the biggest differences. I actually get excited to go to bed early at night because I can't wait to wake up in the morning. I'm a morning person, right? Which I could never say before. So um, you know, if people want to learn more about what you do, we could probably go on for another hour, but how can they get a hold of you? So, uh, obviously I'm wildly all over social media. So, you know, we do have a Facebook page, Hype Recovery Coaching. Also, Ashley and I have a Facebook page of Recovery Couples. So every Sunday, Monday or Tuesday nights, Ashley and I go live and we talk all about our recovery. Uh, tonight will be live 98. So for 98 weeks in a row, Ashley and I have gone consistently and talked about our recovery. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Hype Recovery Coaching. You can find me on TikTok, Chef Recovery Hype, where there's a lot of hype over there. Also, you can go to www.hyperrecoverycoach.com. <clears throat> that is our website, and you can see all the material there, uh, what we're doing. You can book yourself a free 30-minute consultation to talk to me to see if this works for you. Um, 
And if it doesn't work for you, I still hype you up because I love people. So if, if our programming and sessions aren't for you, that is okay. I'm still going to love you uh, because I love people. And uh, I just wanted to, to deliver a new option with lived experience people that are able to, to do what we do best, right? The lived experience do what we do best. And, and what we do best is help people at a level that necessarily other people don't. Uh, we have a true appreciation for uh, getting help and having help. Um, and, and for me, that's that's seriously important for 2022. And, you know, it's seriously important for the government to hear that uh, <clears throat> while we're going through this, ep- you know, this epidemic. And, and, you know, the focus should be on this now. This is where the, the focus should be on how are we going to help this instead of people dying on wait lists to get into treatment centers? How do we get the lived experience people and create programs and sessions to help people before they get into treatment? How do we help that? How do we do that? Because the next one, the epidemic is going to be worse than this. And it is already, it's already proven that. So how do we help that? Right? So uh, that's why hyper recovery coaching was born. And um, for the rest of my life, that's what I'll be doing. Um, because that's my passion and, and I love, I love it. I love, <clears throat> I just love sharing and, 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 you know, sharing saves lives. That's it. You know, your story will touch somebody that is alone. That person will not feel alone. That breaks stigma. That person reaches out and gets help that they need. Their life becomes worth it now. And they deserve that. Absolutely. And I'm excited because we're going to have both of you guys on the show soon and uh, it'll be great to talk to both of you. But Jay, thank you so much for spending the time sharing your story and thank you for what you do. Yeah, thank, I appreciate you. I thank you for everything you're doing too. And I'm, I'm glad we connected and we're able to do this and blossoming in the future together is what I like to say. That's right. All right. Thanks, Jay. You're welcome. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. And obviously, recovery can be fun, right? This is an amazing life. It's not always easy. But I definitely think that, you know, coming into recovery is incredibly scary. We're fearful because we're really letting go of that solution we had used to cope for so long. But then we learn how to create other solutions, right? We create a spiritual life. We get to help others. And we get to remember every single experience we go through, right? And that's some pretty good experiences. So I hope you enjoyed that. Now, don't forget, if you want to join us at the summit, head on over to www.risebeyondrecovery.ca and share this out with a friend. Invite your friends. Invite them all. It's going to be a good time. Anyway, I'll see you on the next episode. I have had the privilege to walk alongside of many people who have built their foundation and further enhanced their recovery. But unfortunately, there are still so many people who are still suffering that need our help. The Road Beyond Recovery podcast is a proud sponsor of Touched by Addiction. Addiction thrives in isolation and darkness. Darkness cannot exist in the presence of light. So if you or someone you know has been affected by addiction, there is help. At Touched by Addiction, we are dedicated to exposing addiction and ending the plague. Be that beacon of hope and light that so many desperately need. Each t-shirt or sweater you buy helps to get a struggling addict off the streets and into a year-long addiction treatment program. If you want to support the movement, 
go to www.touchedbyaddiction.com.